You have the potential of multiple vehicles igniting, not just one. Fueling a dangerous trend, concerns about a popular practice as gas prices soar. That's a lot of damage. I can't believe we didn't feel it. Parking job gone wrong. Two cruise ships collide at Canada Place. Plus, river landing, how disaster was avoided in Florida. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Police are still investigating what led to Thursday's fatal fiery crash near the Peace Arch border crossing, saying they have not ruled out whether one of the vehicles was carrying gas cans. That speculation is now prompting a safety expert to speak out, saying the popular practice has to stop. Paul Johnson reports. With the recent spike in prices, more and more Canadians are crossing into the U.S. to fill up with cheaper gas. And many are making the most of it by filling a few containers as well. Gas stations in Blaine told Global News Saturday that the Canadian jerry can business is booming. Pardon the pun, but that's precisely what safety experts are worried about. You've got a car bomb, it's full of gas. Transportation safety advisor James Cooper reminds drivers that it's the gasoline's fumes that are the most explosive. And just a small amount of spillage or liquid in a near-empty can is enough to make the interior of your car flammable. What they're not taking into consideration, they're putting the gasoline into the trunk of a car. They're closing the lid. There's heat. It's a contained space. You're going to get gas letting off fumes just like you do in a boat. Boats have special equipment for venting their fuel compartments venting their engine compartments. Cars don't. Several years ago, researchers in the U.S. demonstrated just how explosive gas cans can be when their fumes contact an ignition source. Static electricity is enough to do the trick. Despite the concern, what BC drivers are doing is perfectly legal if the amount of gas they're buying is within the rules. And those rules are set by Ottawa. But could this trigger a review of the rules? Last week, the driver of a minivan was killed at the Peace Arch crossing when the van exploded after a collision with another car. Well, investigators don't yet know what caused this explosion. That it happened in what's become a major conduit for do-it-yourself fuel shipping raises serious questions about the safety of the practice. Paul Johnson, Global News. RCMP are investigating a deadly plane crash north of Smithers. The wreckage of the Cessna 182, which can carry up to four people, was found in a remote area about 100 kilometers northeast of Smithers. A search was launched after the Joint Rescue Coordination Center received a notification today from an emergency locator transmitter indicating a small plane had gone down. RCMP say they know there is at least one fatality, but they are still working on getting people to the crash site. The Coroner and Transportation Safety Board have also been notified about the crash. The suspect in a deadly 2017 hit-and-run collision outside of Hope that claimed the life of a young mother of four has been formally charged. Kristen Robinson has more on the accused and reaction from the victim's family. I'm very proud of my son. Um, it would be uh, nice for his mom to be able to see you and being, being here to see it. Charlie Charlton is watching his son train in Kamloops, wishing Charles's mother could witness how far he's come as a motocross racer. 
There's a big hole there, I guess. Definitely a big hole there. His ex-wife and Charles's mother, Danielle Charlton, known as Dee Dee to her family and friends, was killed in a horrific hit-and-run nearly two years ago. The suspect in that crash now awaiting justice. I'm quite happy that he's finally getting charged. Anthony Creed Cortez, who turns 40 this year, is charged with dangerous driving causing death, failing to stop at an accident causing bodily harm, auto theft, and three firearms offenses. 35-year-old Danielle Charlton was a passenger in this SUV when it collided with a maintenance truck about 10 kilometers east of Hope in September 2017. Bystanders desperately tried to save the mother of four, but she died at the scene. Cortez is accused of fleeing in a truck stolen from a good Samaritan who had stopped to help. Hoping for a conviction, and then we started to heal, I think. Cortez was arrested nine days after the incident and later released on bail. Last August, he was sentenced to a day in jail and 12 months probation for a break and enter at a Nelson jewelry store on the morning of the fatal crash. We all make mistakes. And uh, what you do to fix that defines a person. Cortez is due back in court in September with a preliminary inquiry set for December. The Charlton's hoping the wheels of justice will prevail. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A sad end to the search in the interior for a man who ended up getting swept away in the waters of the North Thompson River. Members of the RCMP underwater recovery team, along with local search and rescue, scoured the river yesterday after the 23-year-old went missing. Police say the student from India, who was attending Thompson Rivers University, was taking pictures with friends when he may have stepped out too far, fell off a steep embankment and into the water. His body was recovered this morning. Police say it is a reminder to those with little or no swimming experience to never approach water without proper safety gear or supervision. It was a close call between two cruise ships at Canada Place early this morning. One of the vessels was in the process of docking when they collided, damaging them both. Jill Bennett has more. Just back up slowly, slowly, and people screaming, stop it, stop it. it it's funny. Funny to some, but for others, it was a breakfast interruption. So I'm having Swedish pancakes, and all of a sudden this scraping sound like we're scraping the side of the dock. The noise continued for at least a full minute. That noise was the Oosterdam pulling into the dock just before 7 a.m. and hitting the already moored New Amsterdam causing damage to both ships. I'm a former State Farm Insurance agent. We would call this a fender bender. We were in our cabin and didn't feel a thing. But for passengers with cabins closer to the commotion, it was a little more tense. I knew it was going to hit the ship. It was going to hit something. There was a big loud noise and I told my husband, this is not the way it's supposed to be dodging, but we're already dodging. <laughs> it was scary. It was a little bit scary. Someone knocked on the door, you need to get out in 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> we think it's there. We've never, we've never left it. Yeah, we've never packed so fast. No one from Holland America was available for an interview, but in a statement, the company says all of the repairs are well above the waterline and the seaworthiness of the ships was not affected. It also says all of the appropriate authorities have been notified. Holland America also says there were no injuries reported and disembarkation on both ships proceeded as usual. Damage to the Oosterdam is minimal. 
Crews were already fixing the balconies within hours of the collision. Both ships will be carrying on with their itinerary without delay, leaving passengers with a good story to tell from the high seas. The ships seem like they come in so slow, so it's amazing that they can do that much damage when they're going that slow when they're trying to park. <laughs> Whoever the hell backed up the uh, Osterdam into the new Amsterdam is in deep caca. Jill Bennett, Global News. An unsettling sight for people living east of Penticton this afternoon. A large plume of black smoke was spotted rising above the hills, but despite fears of a wildfire, the blaze was contained at the Penticton Speedway. Viewer video shows the black smoke coming from a pile of about 400 tires. The Penticton Speedway is outside of the city of Penticton Fire District, but because of the threat of it spreading to the nearby forest, the fire department was called in to put it out. Firefighters pulled the tires apart to ensure the fire didn't reignite. No word on how it was sparked. A warning not to consume certain president's choice in PC black label sauces. Loblaws is recalling them because they may contain glass fragments. The affected products include 250 millimeter bottles of president's choice creamy horseradish with best before dates up to September 9th. President's Choice Thai Red Curry Cooking Sauce in 400 millimeter bottles. It has best before dates up to December 15th. And PC Black Label Lemon Curd in 250 millimeter bottles with best before dates up to September 21st. If you brought them, uh, bought them rather, throw them out or return them to the store, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency says no injuries have been reported. A protest was held in one of Vancouver's wealthiest neighborhoods over the housing affordability crisis. A small but vocal group gathered at the corner of Belmont and Sassamat this afternoon to speak out against the growing inequality in the city when it comes to real estate. They toured what they called Billionaire's Row, where they say just 10 houses are valued at $433 million. They say something must be done because more and more people can't afford to live near where they work. We live in basement suites, small apartments. I have some co-workers who, at one time, it was four guys living in a one-bedroom apartment because they didn't want to move two hours away from where they worked. When we look at wealth inequality in BC, uh, it's, it's out of control. Uh, we published uh, some research a few months ago that compared the wealth of BC's top 10 uh, billionaires to the wealth of the typical family uh, in BC. Uh, uh, those billionaires are 6,000 times uh, wealthier than the typical family. Uh, and when we think about wealth inequality in BC, uh, we also need to think about land and real estate. And, uh, you know, uh, real estate in BC has uh, increased uh, in value by $1 trillion since the mid-2000s. Uh, and uh, that wealth is not being very evenly shared. A new human rights art exhibit documenting the tragic stories behind the disappearances of thousands of six is debuting in Vancouver. Lapata and the Left Behind illustrates the emotional toll of thousands of enforced disappearances in India's northwestern state of Punjab during the 1980s and 90s. The exhibition, which is free and open to the public until Tuesday at the Space in Yale Town, chronicles the stories of sick families, many still grieving the loss of loved ones and seeking answers. It is a partnership between international humanitarian organization Kalsa Aid and a multimedia journalist. It's, it's, this project is about uh, their lives, it's about their suffering, it's about their inspiration, aspirations. It has not been a closure and they still await their return, so this, this was a very strong uh, 
kind of it made a very strong impact on when I heard and when I visited and met these people and interviewed them. So it was again very inspiring to see them and their resilience in spite of their suffering. Welcome back. A Kelowna man has some advice for future homeowners who dream of owning a property near water. Do your research. That comes after last spring's flood season when he says he was left high and dry by his insurance company and local government. Kelly Hayes has the story. Remy Rook has been moving a lot of dirt lately. Actually, he's been at it for nearly a year, ever since last spring's flood season when he lost a good chunk of his property to a raging Bellevue Creek. Well, we're standing where the creek washed out for about 30 meters of my property. Rook shot this video after the creek reached peak flow last season. You can see in the background how the water has eroded his land, nearly taking his swimming pool. The uh, side of the pool here was overhanging the creek. The water was right underneath the deck. We had to cut the deck off. And if the pool had gone, the house was next. So in order to protect his home, Rook had to put down a lot of rock by the creek bed. And not just any rock, but environmentally sensitive rocks and very expensive ones too. It has to be all certified to be safe in the creek to meet environmental standards because it's got to be safe for the fish. So the rock's expensive too. Uh, they figure it's about a dollar a rock, but I needed 20,000 of them. Rook went looking for help first from his insurance company, but was denied. I was sold insurance and then I was told that I'm not covered, even though I disclosed that I live near a creek. Then he went looking for assistance from the city of Kelowna because he says it had redirected the creek in the past and should be held partially responsible. Uh, why aren't they liable or at least taking some responsibility for changing the creek? Mayor Colin Bazran wrote to Rook saying emergency management BC has denied funding assistance due to the fact it is private property. There was no residential structures at risk, no city infrastructure, and the creek bank was not protected with an approved erosion protection barrier. The damage to private property is not something that the city is responsible for. So Rook is on his own and offers this advice to anyone thinking of finding their dream home along a waterway. Do your homework and check it twice. And I don't regret living here. I don't regret owning this piece of property. I just wish I had spent a little more time researching what owning property with a creek running through it meant. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Kelowna. The Farmer's Market Nutrition Coupon Program is expanding. At the opening day of the Vancouver Farmer's Market, the province announced they are investing nearly $1.6 million to the program this year. It will supply weekly coupons valued at $21 for the purchase of locally grown food at BC Farmer's Markets. That means another 700 people will be able to access the program. It runs from June 11th to November 3rd at 76 markets across the province and totals $336 in weekly coupons this season. It helps people in the communities. It particularly helps people, uh, low-income families in our community and low-income seniors, but it also helps agriculture. And it ensures that the money, all of the money we invest in this program allows people to eat healthier and supports BC agriculture. Bargain hunters turned up in droves in Surrey today looking for a steal of a deal at the Vancouver Police Recovered Goods Auction. Be $100, going to be $100 now to one in the front, going to be $200. The sale of the items seized by the VPD is expected to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for the city of Vancouver. There were many high-end items up for bid, like a diamond engagement ring, as well as plenty of unique items, including part of a suit of armor. And, of course, hundreds of bikes. They are all goods recovered by the VPD. 
that have gone unclaimed over the last six months. My first time I drove from Kelowna, but uh, there's a Dave Mustaine guitar there that's pretty sweet. Yeah, we came here uh, to buy a bid, uh, a guitar for my husband. <laughs> yeah, we are looking forward. I'm impressed with how many people come out and they're here early because I was here well before the auction started and there were herds of people coming down the sidewalk. The parking lot was completely full and we were probably 45 minutes before the auction was even scheduled to start. A special reunion in Surrey Friday for a man who really wanted to pose with the Mounties. Mr. Brar was presented with his very own framed photo of his encounter with police at Surrey's Visaki Parade last month. He also got a chance to meet the officers who posed with him at the community event. Surrey RCMP put out an appeal on social media to help identify Mr. Brar after he waited nearly 20 minutes in line to get a picture with police at the parade. But he told officers he didn't have a camera and just wanted the honor of standing alongside the RCMP members. RCMP in turn say it was an honor to give him a copy of his photo. Great story there. Great story and great photo. Yeah. Keepsake, for sure. Mm-hmm. Vaughn and Barry join us now. And speaking of great, it was a pretty nice day. Yeah, it's pleasant out there. Uh, we have been advertising some sunshine, and we will see more, especially for the latter half of our weekend. So there were a few breaks out there, depending on where you were uh, across the province. And here's a glance at some of the numbers. So it's pleasant. Numbers are going to start to bump up. Today, a soil you've been getting up to 24 degrees. Central interior for Prince George at 12, and topping out at 10 degrees for areas near Prince Rupert. Now, those numbers are going to increase. Soar for many areas. Uh, Warm-up is on the way, more sunshine. We do have one area across the province still tracking some light snowfall. I'll show you where coming up shortly and how long the heat will last in our long-range forecast. All right, sounds good. And it's all about the playoffs this weekend and mm-hmm. the Kentucky Derby yeah. with a weird finish. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. We're going to have uh, early Giants highlights as they look to go two up in the Western League final against Prince Albert. But kind of a, an historic but uh, controversial day at uh, Churchill Downs. Uh, they had to go to the replay. They had to go up to video review, which we've heard a lot in sports over the last decade. But when it fall, involves people making uh, huge wagers, uh, you can imagine there's a lot of differing opinions. So we'll, we'll tell you what happened there. First time it's ever happened, 145-degree history of the race. So uh, I'll keep it at that. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the tease going. All right. The Royal Canadian Legion is out with a strong condemnation after an event in northern Alberta. The Grand Prairie Legion found itself at the center of controversy after it was discovered a far-right group held a holiday dinner at its hall. Julia Wong reports. These are photos from an Easter dinner last month at the Grand Prairie Legion. But it's who organized it that's drawing scrutiny. The Soldiers of Odin, which anti-hate agencies say is a neo-Nazi group. There's a large population of hungry people here in Grand Prairie, and uh, we wanted to feed them. But the national headquarters for the Royal Canadian Legion says these types of groups are now banned. The Royal Canadian Legion Dominion Command does not support or tolerate any group or organization whose views or actions are contrary to our values and those of our country. This includes the soldiers of Odin. We are taking action to prevent this sort of outcome in the future. The can run their house however they see fit, I guess. A Canadian Border Services Agency intelligence bulletin says members generally have right-wing politics and ideology, and there are concerns of anti-immigration vigilantism. Reimer says the group is pro-immigration, but the Canadian Anti-Hate Network says the Soldiers of Odin banner means something. It's like the KKK wanted to start up a chapter in your neighbourhood and then said they wouldn't do anything bad. 
I think that some of these groups are attracted to um, sort of to the military and to sort of this the ideals that they see as um, being about Canadianness and um, you know this sort of idea of patriotism, but it's this distorted patriotism. Reimer says the group had good intentions. I uh, thought that people would see past all the biased news and uh, see us for what we are, and that's a uh, helping hand in the community. But Balgord says this is a common tactic. They try to do these um, uh, charitable kind of things in their, uh, in their backyard to get better PR, to look sympathetic. The Royal Canadian Legion says it's developing policies about who can associate with legions. The local chapter of the Soldiers of Odin says it isn't deterred. It plans to host the Easter dinner again next year at a different venue. Julia Wong, Global News. One person was killed and two others are presumed dead after an explosion and fire rocked a manufacturing plant north of Chicago. That blast destroyed the silicone plant and damaged five nearby buildings. Nine workers were inside at the time of the explosion. Four were taken to hospital and two others refused treatment. The body of one employee was recovered, but the search for the remaining two has been suspended because of concerns about the stability of what's left of that building. And it could be several days before the operation can resume. The plant typically operates 24 hours a day, mixing chemicals and other materials to make silicone. There's no word yet on a possible cause of the explosion. Tensions are heightened on the Korean Peninsula after North Korea apparently launched a short-range missile into the Sea of Japan yesterday. South Korea's military detected the North launching several unidentified short-range projectiles into the sea off its eastern coast. If confirmed, it will be the first missile launch since Pyongyang tested an intercontinental ballistic missile in November 2017. This comes in the midst of a diplomatic breakdown that has followed the failed summit earlier this year between North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and U.S. President Donald Trump. Passengers on board a military chartered jet from Cuba survived a terrifying and chaotic flight last night. Their plane landed hard, bounced and swerved as their pilots struggled to control it in the middle of a storm before sliding off a runway in Jacksonville, Florida and into a river. The pictures are stunning. A jetliner sitting in the St. John's River surrounded by water. Even more remarkable, everyone survived. Investigators from the NTSB are trying to figure out why the jet ended up there. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, the human aspects, which includes the flight crew and the cabin crew. We'll be looking at the machine. That'll be the aircraft itself. And uh, then finally, uh, the environment, which would include the airport, the weather, and air traffic control. The mishap happened Friday night. The Miami Air Boeing 737 was landing at the Naval Air Station in Jacksonville during a thunderstorm when it slid off the end of the runway and ended up in the river. The local fire department says 21 people went to the hospital for minor injuries. The NTSB tweeted out a picture of the plane's flight data recorder Saturday, which should shed some light on what went wrong. And that'll give us the airspeed, position of flight controls, the altitude, the point of touchdown, and uh, many, many things relative to what the aircraft was doing. The Navy says passengers have been reunited with their families or are continuing on to other destinations. The plane won't be moved from the river until the NTSB is done examining it. Crews are trying to contain jet fuel, which has spilled into the river.
The mayor of Jacksonville said the White House has offered its support. Chris Pallone, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, training for a marathon can actually help rejuvenate your heart. British researchers studied 140 first-time marathoners. They found that runners who trained for six months and then completed the race reduced the age of their aorta by four years and lowered their blood pressure. And you don't have to be an elite athlete to get those results. In fact, the benefits were best in older and slower runners. Two, one, In the pre-dawn darkness, a SpaceX rocket blasted off from Florida, carrying a Dragon capsule with 2,500 kilograms of supplies for the International Space Station. The delivery is a few days late because of electrical power shortages at the ISS and then at SpaceX's rocket landing platform in the Atlantic. The recycled capsule, which is making its second voyage into space, is set to arrive at the orbiting lab early Monday. That's when Canadian astronaut David Saint-Jacques will operate the Canada Arm 2 to perform his first ever cosmic catch of the spacecraft. Pretty cool. Let's check in with Yvonne now and a bit more cloud rolling in this afternoon, Yvonne. A bit more cloud today, but it'll be brighter for tomorrow. So we just need to get through the evening and into tomorrow morning, and then we'll see sunshine over the next little while. Here's a beautiful shot overlooking English Bay where we're starting to see some of the breaks, and temperatures are pleasant out there. 14 as our current temperature, a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers. The high today was up to 15 degrees, but that number going to increase with many areas into the low 20s leading into early Early next week, we'll see above the average for this time of the year that sits closer to 16 degrees. A few other numbers across the province. Kamloops still sitting at 20 areas near the beast. It's chilly with temperatures hovering at 2. Prince Rupert currently sitting at 9 and areas near Victoria at 16 degrees. We can still see that cloud cover right across Metro Vancouver, much of the south coast, the island as well. But tomorrow morning, here's the break that we're anticipating over the next few days with that ridge building in. A few areas across the province, though, the moisture for the northeastern corners and along the north coast and here's the timeline of what we're tracking four areas near the peace we still have light snowfall overnight and for the morning hours it'll dissipate by the afternoon there will be a clearing on the way but it still remains unsettled across the north coast over the next two days on and off rainfall with some of the heaviest rain for sunday and then a chance of showers along the north coast for your monday by the evening hours though a nice break for the southern half of the province and stretching into the southeastern corners here's the level chart and forecast showing us that ridge building in. It'll remain very strong, leading us all the way in towards the end of next week and likely into next weekend as well. So anticipate the sunshine and dry conditions. A look at some of the numbers of the range. Areas away from the water could get up to 25 or 26 degrees and that'll be towards midweek and then approaching next weekend. Areas away from the water will remain into the low 20s. A reminder for those who are outdoors, we are seeing the fire danger rating for a few areas in yellow already at moderate and for the areas that are in orange we're seeing them at high so if you're outdoors once again be careful as well as the cigarette butts that we're tracking over the next few months especially with the dry conditions and the lack of rain areas near the peace so we still have snowfall overnight and for the morning hours it'll dissipate and then a nice uh, nice rebounding temperatures will be on your Tuesday bumping up to 12 degrees white horse up to 7 tomorrow southerly wind up to 30 kilometers per hour the moisture 
temperature across the north coast, heaviest for tomorrow, easing off to showers on Monday. Caribou and central interior, still a fair bit of cloud cover, but dry conditions tomorrow. Columbia and Kootenay will bump up to 20 tomorrow, 24 degrees on our Tuesday. So it really does start to soar for a few spots into next week. 20 degrees for areas near the tops in Okanagan. Whistler will see that range at 19 come Tuesday up to 23. And the island, anywhere between 19. Areas near the water will be a touch cooler. Long-range forecast, I'm giving you the next seven days. We'll see sunshine right across the board. It's still cloud cover for the morning hours. Windy near the water. Areas away from the water Wednesday, Thursday highs closer to 25 and 26. We'll leave you with this weather window. A beautiful shot taken from Crescent Beach by Corey. Jordan? You sure it's not June 4th? (laughs) Seems really warm. That's excellent. Thanks, Yvonne. It's been one year since one of Hawaii's largest and most destructive volcanic eruptions. Kilauea spewed lava for months, forever changing the landscape of the Big Island. Carter Evans reports. When red-hot lava first exploded from the Kilauea volcano last May, it ripped open parts of Leilani Estates. Large lava-filled cracks called fissures tore apart streets and blasted out molten rock. As the summer wore on, fissure number eight produced a spectacular show, and we were there to witness the lava fountain. This is the most active fissure right now. We've been watching this one go for days. At times, it's been blasting lava up to 250 feet into the air. And this is what it looks like now, a massive cinder cone surrounded by miles of black. Scientists say the volcano produced more than a billion cubic yards of lava. That's enough to fill up more than 320,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. It's still wow. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. This eruption was in Heath Dalton's backyard. His home burned down, and the massive fissure now cooled is all that's left on his property. Do you think you'll move back into Leilani ever? Leilani, possibly. Um, Our property here, no. It's an impossibility. We couldn't rebuild there. In all, more than 700 homes were destroyed. The river of lava left a canyon-sized scar on its way to the ocean. When it was all over, there were nearly 900 acres of new land. With all the destruction here, there is some beauty. This used to be a small bay, and now it's a brand new black sand beach. At Kilauea's summit, the changes are even more dramatic. What we have left is a massive new Hale Ma'uma'u crater. So it went from about a half mile wide to about a mile and a half wide, from 280 feet deep to 1,600 feet deep. During the eruption, more than 60,000 earthquakes rocked the island, and the volcano spewed deadly sulfur dioxide into the air. Geologists like Janet Babb are now waiting to see what's next. You think we'll see lava again? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Without a doubt, Kilauea volcano will erupt again. We just don't know when or where. Carter Evans, CBS News, Pahoa, Hawaii. Coming up, an historic finish at the Kentucky Derby, plus winners on the road. The Whitecaps finally score a victory. Barry has sports when the news hour returns. Monday. This is a very interesting race. There's a lot on the line for all four parties here. Team coverage of the federal by-election. Nanaimo Lady Smith votes. A global news special live Monday on BC One, starting at 8:30 p.m. All right, Giants on the road. They had a good night last night. Mm-hmm. They're off to a good start. See if they can. It's always hard to get the second one. You get the first yes. one. It's not that you want to settle for it, but you don't see teams go in and get 
too, too often. But we'll see if they can change history a bit. Thanks, Jordan. Well, it is uh, time for the Vancouver Giants to get a little greedy in their Western League Championship Series against Prince Albert. After holding off the Raiders 5-4 last night in Game 1, the Giants have a chance to go two up before bringing the series back to Vancouver next week. A bit surprising that the teams combined for nine goals in the opener. I expect a little tighter defensive game tonight. Game two underway in Prince Albert. Uh, score in the first, it goes to a PA, and it's Delta Boy and former Victoria Royal Dante Hanoon who will score from Parker Kelly, 1-0 Raiders. PAA outshot Vancouver 15-6 in the first. Justin Surtup had a great chance stopped by Ian Scott, but it's 1-0 PA. They are at the intermission. Prince George Spruce Kings can uh, win the Doyle Cup on home ice tonight against the Alberta champion Brooks Bandits. If Brooks wins, they'll play a seventh and deciding game tomorrow night in Prince George. Both teams have already qualified for the RBC Cup National Junior Tournament, which starts next weekend in Brooks. Stanley Cup playoffs, Game 5, Blue Jackets and Bruins. Series tied 2-2, scoreless in the second. David Krejci will slap the rolling puck past Sergei Bobrovsky. Bit of a change-up. A good break for the Bruins as it slides under the pad. The Jackets had a great chance. Nick Foligno walks around Zdeno Chara, but Tuka Rask makes a fantastic save. Great effort by Foligno, but can't get the finish. Remains 1-0. Third period, rookie Connor Clifton gets his first Stanley Cup playoff point. Sets up Brad Marchand to a stop once, but fires the rebound in. 2-0 Boston. Columbus has just scored a goal that went to video review, so it's 2-1 in the third. The Whitecaps almost let more points slip away last night, but this time they rallied late and posted their second win of the season and first on the road. Sure, it came against the 24th and last place Colorado Rapids, but considering the Whitecaps began the night in 23rd, they'll take it. And amazingly, with the win, the Whitecaps are just one point out of the final playoff spot in the West. Former Whitecap Kai Kamara helped the Rapids come back from 2-0 down. He scored twice from the penalty spot to tie it 2-2, but then this turning point... The Rapids' Diego Rubio swipes at Daniil Henry. It's a red card. Colorado down to 10 men. And then in dramatic fashion in the 87th minute, Englishman Andy Rose scores his first as a white cap. A big road win in Colorado as Vancouver takes it 3-2. They're now two wins, five losses, three draws through 10 matches. Next up, they are home to the Portland Timbers on Friday at BC Place. MLS Today, Toronto FC at Orlando City, second half, TFC get on the board, and it's Canadian Jonathan Osario with a fantastic display here. Goes left, cuts right, and finishes a beautiful goal by Osario. Toronto take the lead 1-0, and then 12 minutes later, TFC back for more as Jay Chapman will control the ball and then fire through Orlando goalkeeper Brian Rowe, who played some last year for the Whitecaps. 2-0 Toronto win on the road. They're up to 16 points, just one out of first place in the East. English Premiership, penultimate weekend. Liverpool chasing Manchester City for the title. Reds on the road at Newcastle today. A great start off the corner. Virgil van Dijk will head it in. 1-0 Liverpool. Newcastle tied it, but... Mo Salah responds for Liverpool. A fantastic one-time volley here to give Liverpool a 2-1 advantage. Now again, Newcastle came back to tie, and then this 
makes Liverpool fans gasp. Salah going up for the ball collides with the hip of the goalkeeper. Salah was down, stayed down for a few minutes, stretchered off. His status for the Champions League game on Tuesday uncertain. But with him watching in the locker room, his teammates pull off a stunning finish. Divock Origi with the header there. Liverpool pull it out 3-2. Man City plays on Monday. They'll need to win to pull back ahead of Liverpool atop the table. Meanwhile, Deli Ali and Spurs visiting Bournemouth. Wasn't in the cards today for Spurs. It was the red cards that got them. Two shown, including this one to Son Hung Min. They had to play with nine men the final 42 minutes. Bournemouth wore them down and in stoppage time, off the corner kick, Nathan Ake will nod it in and Spurs fall 1-0, remain four points clear of Arsenal who have two matches left compared to one for Spurs who have lost three of their last five league matches. Welcome back. Well, instant replay is just a normal part of big-time pro sports these days. The whole idea is to use the technology to get any controversial calls right. Horse racing has actually used it longer than most sports, usually to determine if there was any interference or fouls on the way to the finish line, but never has it had the impact like it did today at horse racing's crown jewel, the Kentucky Derby. But hold all paramuchial tickets uh, after the race. An objection was filed that maximum security interfered with the path of several horses. In other words, it didn't hold its line. After a 20-minute review, stewards disqualified maximum security and awarded the win to 65-to-1 long shot country horse or country house, rather, who crossed the line second. It's the first time in the 145-year history of the race that the horse crossing first did not get the victory. The Raptors may have to go without Pascal Siakam in Game 4 of their Eastern Conference semifinal in Philadelphia tomorrow. Siakam is listed as doubtful with a right calf contusion. Uh, That's a big hole in a lineup that's basically been a two-man show so far in this series. Kawhi Leonard and Siakam have done most of the scoring. If the Raps want to win this series, they need the bench to contribute. Kyle Lowry and big man Mark Gasol also have to get going because they have been underwhelming so far the first three games. NBA tonight, game three, Warriors and Rockets. Golden State won the first two at home in a series that's had a lot of animosity towards the referees. Everyone feels they're getting fouled. Second quarter, Nene does get fouled, and he makes the shot. The 36-year-old Brazilian veteran in his 16th NBA season, 30-26 Rockets. Draymond Green to Kevin Durant for the jam. Updated score in the second. It's 49-42, Houston in front. Third round of the Wells Fargo Championship from Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin in some trouble at 16. This is for par. But he chips it in from 36 feet. Hadwin, three under 68, is tied for 22nd at minus three. Nick Taylor also made the cut, tied for 59th at plus one. Sergio Garcia played with Adam Hadwin today, and Sergio made a big move. Sinks the big breaking putt for birdie, six under 65. Sergio tied for ninth. At six under, there's a three-way tie at the top, including Max Homa, who makes the birdie here at the second, Jason Duffner and Joel Damon also at minus 11. Final round tomorrow. 
And just to warn you, we have some UFC highlights coming up, so if that's not your thing, we're just giving you a bit of warning to maybe turn away. Last week, we featured Squamish fighter Cole the Coltrane Smith as he prepared for his first ever UFC fight. Well, we are happy to report the Coltrane steamrolled his opponent, winning a unanimous decision at UFC Fight Night Ottawa. Unfortunately, no TV coverage of his fight but uh, he remains undefeated at 7-0 as a pro, and it will get him another UFC fight. So congrats to him. Now, another BC fighter was in the octagon in Ottawa as well, Richmond's Arjun Buhler. We do have highlights of that fight, so if uh, MMA is not your thing, you should turn away right now. There's Buhler taking on a mountain of a man in Juan Adams. Look at the size of this man. Buhler, 8-1 pro record, 2-1 in the UFC. Adams had never lost, had never gone to the scorecards, but Buhler did what he needed to do, got the big man down, worked the wrestling skills and the ground and pound, and it did go the distance, so they go to the judges' cards. It was uh, certainly going to be a close decision, but it goes to Arjun Buhler, who wins a unanimous decision, so he is now 3-1 and one in the UFC. There you go. Those are some big boys. That's a lot of beef in there. Yeah, and Coltrane, great nickname. The Coltrane, yes. Like chugging, that. Chugging along. Exactly. All right, finally tonight, May the 4th be with you. Yes, it is May the 4th, and that means International Star Wars Day. Fans all over the world are celebrating the successful movie franchise and its message of good versus evil. Even the North Vancouver City Library got into the spirit, hosting the first ever Star Wars Day. Attendees donning appropriate costumes for their favorite characters. The event complete with stormtroopers and a photo booth. Alright, ready? One, two, three. Uh, yeah, this is really fun. Uh, we love the movie and, uh, and I'll do it just for the kids. People just really love Star Wars. Um, it seems like young people love it, older people love it, people remember it from their childhoods. Um, it has a really universal appeal and any excuse to get dressed up in your Star Wars costume and do some Star Wars themed stuff, people seem to really enjoy it. So it's May the Force be with you and we are, I'm a Rebel Legion member along with the 501st garrison, and uh, we're just here having fun. I'm spreading the Star Wars love everywhere I go. And check this out. A hospital in Iowa celebrated the day with newborns wearing some adorable galactic headgear. You can see an R2-D2 hat, Yoda, even Princess Leia. Adorable. And if you missed your chance to dress up and celebrate today, you can do it tomorrow, Sunday, on Revenge of the Fifth. Uh, I was going to say, a lot of those, the, the newborns do have a Yoda-like uh, they do. kind of look. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. yeah. A little wrinkly. Exactly. <laughs> Marathon is tomorrow. Yes, uh, for the early morning hours, I'm not sure exactly what time things kick off, but temperatures are going to bump up by the afternoon. It's going to be windy for areas that are near the water, uh, but areas away could get up to 22 degrees, and then it's soaring over the next little while. We are going to see the sunshine, the sunballs, as we call Five it here. Five sunballs, that's yeah, the Yeah, more than, there's here. a lot on there, and um, away from the water, we could even see 25 <laughs> or 26. So if you like the heat, uh, it's going to be into next week. Sounds good. That is the news hour. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you at 11. Love <laughs> it.